Yeah, kids. <laughs> That's true. Adults, too. It's, it's exciting to give. And, uh, and so, uh, as they mentioned, the men are up at camp, so Pastor Barry's up there. I'm Pastor Deb. I'm one of the assistant pastors. <laughs> and I uh, oversee the kids and some of the other administration and things at the office. Um, the kids are my thing. And I was like, what? Speak? I'll speak. Because I know you're going to camp and you need to be blessed. And he goes, just think of them as a bunch of big kids. I'm like, okay, that I can do. <laughs> so to me today, you're just all a bunch of big kids. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we, are, uh, we are in our, well, good morning, first of all. <laughs> just good morning. I want to greet you and, and just thankful that you are here. And um, I believe God has, has uh, will use me to speak through me. And it's all his words and for his glory. And I know Russ just prayed, but for me, can we pray again? <laughs> mm. Father God, you are above all. Lord, you are maker and creator of this earth. And Lord, I thank you for your love that you so generously give because we're yours. We're made in your image. Lord, I just pray for a time right now. Your Holy Spirit is here. You are here. Lord, open our hearts and our ears, even mine. Open my hearts and, ears, and my ears also, Lord, to continue to hear you speak. Lord, that your word does not come back with nothing. Your word goes forth and it accomplishes its purpose. What its desire is, Lord, for your word, it will be done. And I thank you, first and foremost, for that, Lord, because you are the one. It is your word within us. So I give you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in a third, our third week of a series, our Thrive, as uh, was mentioned before. Our church just uh, changed their name, new launch just a month ago. Remember the breakfast out there? And it's like, yeah. we are a people, a church that's committed to help people thrive in Christ. Amen. That's the big word, in Christ. Um, and so I'm excited about it. And uh, we have our, our vision, and that's what it is, helping people thrive in Christ. And then we have our mission statement, which is we help people do that by knowing God, right? You got to know God. <laughs> and then you grow as a disciple of his. You serve like Jesus. And then you go and you tell others about him. So know, grow, serve, and go. And we do that by our core values. We have our core values up there. Um, we have eight core values. The pastoral leadership has thought, hey, this is, this is what we're going to live. This is what we're going to do. This, is, this, is, this first one, God first, that's one of my personal core values, that God is first no matter what. I've done some things, and I've, I haven't had God first sometimes, but you know what? I've come in my years of experience, which is many, <laughs> as I realize the older I get, um, 
that God is everything. He's all in all. That we, as a couple, will put him first, because there's times when we haven't, and then you suffer the consequences and you feel the outcome of that. Yeah, can I get an amen for that? Yeah. But when we put God first, and we're following his covenant, then all those blessings come, don't they? They come, I don't know how it happens, but they, well, I know, because God is God, and he can do anything. He can raise from the dead life, you know? I mean, he can turn a situation around, and I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, but God is first. People matter to God, and people matter to us. And so Pastor Barry spoke on that a couple of weeks ago, and then last week he spoke on love does, and I'll get into that a little bit. Love just does. Love is in, it's put into action. It's a verb. Grace extended. We believe the best in others, and I'll be speaking on that today. We live in community, we minister in team, we bring our best, and we commit to growth. And I'm excited that these things are, are going to be part of us. This is who we are as Thrive Church. Grace extended. We believe the best about people. And when Pastor Barry said to me, hey, I want you to just be gone, grace extended. I'm like, oh, I don't know if I always believe the best. <laughs> I don't, you know how sometimes you think, oh, they just did that because of this. Or, and, and not that I, I like, like to do that, but sometimes, you know, it's hard to live out, isn't it? But I thought, no, I like that. I'm going to believe the best in someone else, that they're always going to do it for the best intention. Now, we mess up. Doesn't always happen. But you know what? That's all right. It's okay for that. <laughs> we're we're going to keep moving on, and, and we're going to extend that grace to others. But believing the best of others so we can extend that grace. We received grace, and we're ready to extend it. So I'm going to pack that a little bit. Grace, the definition of grace, I have one that's a, from a theological word book here, and I was like, Oh my goodness, I teach kids, not like all these intellectual people. So I'm going to put it back down in my words. Grace refers, well, I'll tell you what it says. Grace refers to the condition of being given or shown favor. All right, I get that. We can give favor. We can show favor, especially by someone in a position to exercise goodwill by meeting a particular need. So you see a need? Yeah, I'm going I'm to be kind to do that need. Grace also can refer to a manifestation, manifestation of such a disposition of kindness in the form of material benefaction, including the giving of gifts, the approval of one's requests, the granting of freedom or mercy, and the deliverance of salvation from evil or harm. So basically, I can give that gift if I want to, right? If somebody needs something, then I, I, can, I can meet that need or I can protect someone from harm. Or it's like I'm, I'm just going to extend that kindness. I looked up in, um, and I saw that all the New Testament scriptures that have grace in it, all but one, they were all from the same Greek word. They were all from the same. I thought, oh, that makes it easy. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> that word is charis. The divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in the life of the relationship or whatever it is. I thought, oh, 
divine influence on the heart. That means grace is God having that influence of my heart to have compassion or kindness to whatever the situation is. Like, oh, I like that. Because as my ears are in tune, as my heart's in tune, there's going to be more grace. I mean, that's what I figure, right? It comes from the root, Cairo, which is like a greeting. And this, this excited me because I love joy. I like, I just like joy. I just like happiness over sadness. I would rather see the glass half full than half empty. I'm just one of those people that just, I, I would rather laugh then cry. But I noticed lately in my old age, I'm crying a lot. <laughs> in fact, I get those tissues ready because I may later. I, you never know. But Cairo means to be cheerful. It's, it can be used as a greeting, but it means joy, and it means to rejoice. And I was like, ooh, I like grace already, if that's the root where it comes from. I was excited about that. So that one little word, grace, it unpacks a lot. Well, I was looking through, um, through uh, last week when in our regular Bible reading, we were going through Acts, right? So Acts 15, I was reading. And it was about the time when um, the, uh, Peter was sent to the Gentiles so that the Gentiles can receive Jesus. And um, so they're like, oh, the Jews are kind of like, oh, okay, the Gentiles can receive Jesus now. We're going to have to, I mean, they're going to have to follow some laws, and they're going to have to, and so they're talking about what they should do and what they shouldn't do, and, and, uh, and some of them were, like, pretty strict, and, and, uh, and Peter gets up, and he says this, and this is what spoke to me. Peter states, it's through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they, the Gentiles, are. And that's, like, because I knew I was going to speak, be speaking on grace, I'm like, through the grace of our Lord Jesus, the grace of Jesus. That's what it's through. We didn't have to earn it. They don't have to earn it. It was already done. We don't have to do anything except receive it or accept it from Jesus. And, and I, was, I was like, it's the cross. It's his crucifixion. And he died for us. He didn't have to. I was teaching with the kids on Tuesday, and I was explaining about Jesus being our Savior and how he went to the garden. And we were talking about also the cup that, um, for our healing and, and how he went to the garden and he was praying. And he was praying so hard that would appear like drops of blood coming from his head and I'm thinking, man, that is really seriously praying. That's some real hard, like, in-depth stuff going on there. And he was like, Lord, if, if this cup can be passed from me. So I'm like, oh, Jesus didn't want to go through that suffering. I wouldn't want to go through that. I don't even want to get a tattoo because it, I think it would hurt. I mean, I was just like, I don't like pain. And so he's praying, and he says, but your will not my will be done. And Jesus went, and he did it. And it says, for the joy set before him, you know who his joy is? Us. 
I'm his joy. Raise your hand and say, I'm his joy. I'm his joy. Because you were set before him, he did that. See, God put a plan in motion from the beginning that there would be salvation. Why? Because he wants us with him. So it's the grace of Jesus. Jesus has such compassion on us. He loves us so much that, that that's what he wants for us, to be free. That's what he wants. So it's the grace of Jesus. He did it first for us. And because he did it for us, then guess what? We, in turn, do it for others. And that's the way, that's the way it goes. Ephesians 4.32 yeah, I know we've taught this a lot to kids. Sometimes we need to be reminded. Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Grace extended. My first point is forgiveness. Christ forgave us, and we in turn forgive others. I want to look at Matthew 18. When Peter comes up to Jesus. The disciples were hanging around, and Peter comes up to Jesus, and he says, so, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? I kind of want to read it out of my translation here. Hold on a sec. Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? That seems like a lot. I can see a little kid doing that. Only five times? <laughs> only seven times and Jesus says I tell you not seven times but 77 times or in some translations 70 times 7 and I can see I, I think in, in, in terms of little kids I'm like 70 times 7 you know it's, that's a lot that's a lot of times I have to keep forgiving but you know what it's, to me it's, it's the heart in forgiveness. We don't go, okay, that's one time I forgave you. Oh, that's two times I forgave you. Where, where's the attitude in that heart? You know, it's not, it's not the grace that's, that's being extended there. So we don't keep count. And that, um, that attitude would kind of actually contradict um, forgiveness there. But we live in an atmosphere of forgiveness. I think that's what Jesus was saying. We live in an atmosphere of forgiveness. We live in an at atmos atmosphere. Oh, geez. <laughs> you didn't even tell me I messed up. The kids would have. What's atmosphere? <laughs> we live in an atmosphere of forgiveness, in an atmosphere of grace and of compassion. And then he goes on to say, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king. He wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as we began the settlement, there was a man who owned him about 10,000 talents, which in my Bible it says it kind of equals to millions of dollars. I'm like, whoa, that's a lot of money. So since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. And the servant, of course, as you can imagine, fell on his knees and he says, he begged, be patient with me and I'll pay back everything. And the servant's master looked at him and he had pity on him. 
and he canceled the debt, and he let him go. That's grace extended. He let him go. And I, I wish that was the end of the story. Oh, that's so cool. That's neat. We need to do that. But no, it goes on. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii, which is like a few dollars. He grabbed him. He began to choke him. And he says, pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Oh, deja vu. That just happened, right? He just did that. And the man said, sure, because I learned this lesson, I'll let you go. No, that's not what it says in my Bible. It says, but he refused. And instead, he went off. He had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. I can never understand that. If you're thrown in prison, how do you get to pay the debt? It just doesn't make sense to me. When the other servants, the servants around, saw what happened, they were greatly distressed. Because that's not justice. They saw what happened here, and then they saw what he did here. And that just doesn't quite equal, that's not right. You know, when you get that, oh, that's not right. That, that should not happen. And so they go to the master, and they told him everything that had happened. And the master called the servant in. And he says, you wicked servant. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailer, jailers blah, blah, to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. See, he was just going to be thrown into jail in the beginning. Now, not only is he thrown into jail, but he's tortured because of what he did. That was like, ooh, remember me? I don't like pain. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Forgiveness. He was forgiven and he didn't forgive. You know, I believe unforgiveness, when you don't forgive others, I believe it can lead to physical problems. Because when there's unforgiveness, there can be bitterness. And when there's unforgiveness, I believe your joy is depleted. When your joy is depleted, you become a little harder. And then you're just not a fun person to be around. <laughs> and you know what's funny is the other person might not even know that you don't forgive them. <laughs> They're walking around just living fine. And you're holding this. Yeah, not fun. Jesus took everything that we did wrong on the cross. It was all on him. He took it. That's why he was suffering so much because he knew when he had all that on him, his father could not look at him but was turned away. And here he is taking things that we are doing 2,000 years later, and it was put on him. He paid for it. It was already done. He already took it. Forgiveness is yours for free. You don't have to pay for it because it's already been paid for. It's already been done. 
have to do is make the choice to say, yes, I receive that forgiveness. And it, it sounds real easy, but for some people, there's this thing called, oh, no, I do it on my own. You can either say, yes, I receive that. Well, no, I'm good. But you're really not good. <laughs> I don't want to move on right now. Because if you have not received that forgiveness, the rest of this sermon doesn't make any sense. Christ did that for us. And we're supposed to extend that grace to others. But you can only extend what you've received. You can only give what you've received. So I think, I think right now I just want you to bow your heads. And uh, if you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins and become part of your life and have a relationship with him, then this is what I want you to do. I want you to think of, okay, I've received that. Now, is there someone that I haven't forgiven? Is there something that I'm holding against somebody? Now, I want you to deal with that. I want you and God to deal with that right now. But if you haven't even asked or received for the forgiveness that Christ gave, came to in the first place, then I want you to kind of deal with that right now. Because he loves you. And he doesn't want me to move on just yet. So if you can kind of quietly raise your hand, then we'll, we'll deal with that. Lord, I thank you for your forgiveness. I thank you for paying for all that we've gone through or all that you've gone through for, for us, that payment. And Lord, we, we can't move on unless we, we have to give what you've given us. So Lord, I pray that if there's something, someone that we, that needs to receive a, our forgiveness, that we need, just need to let go, then, Lord, I just pray we do that right now. That, Lord, we release them to you. And, Lord, you, you're going to help us deal with all the emotions and all the other stuff because that's just how you are. Lord, I know I don't want anything blocking my heart from continuing to just receive what you have for me and continuing to give to others. In your name, Lord, amen. Because the thing is, if we don't forgive others, we don't know them well. Sometimes, maybe we do. But you never know what God's working in them. You never know. God is on the move. God works. God moves. And so I had to do this over seven years of someone that I just, they, they hurt someone I loved. And I just, when I saw them, this is what I wanted to do. Honestly, I'm just being honest. I wanted to take my fist right in their stomach and make them double over. <laughs> that 
that's what I wanted. I did it once to my brother when I was little, and I wanted to do that to this person. <laughs> I just want him to double over because they hurt someone I love. And finally, it took about seven years. And about four years ago, it was like the Lord was, it was one of these things. And he's like, you know, you got this. It's not like I thought about it all the time or I dwelled on it. But it was like, you got this, that you have this against this person. It's like, oh, all right, Lord, I release them to you. I forgive them. Still haven't seen that person in 11 years. I don't, I don't want, well, no, not that I don't. If I did now, I don't, I don't have the urge to double them over. <laughs> I'll just say that. The second point for grace extended is love in action. And Pastor Barry spoke on this a little, a little. He spoke on it all last, last week. Um, once forgiveness, when we believe the best in people, then we put that love into action. Love does is what he spoke on. And uh, he shared some stories on people who made an interception on behalf of God. Now, I'm a sports person. My Dodgers. <sighs> but I want to talk about football right now. Interception on behalf of God. There were people who gave him cars, gave him a trailer when they were traveling and ministering to other ministers, money when they needed it, groceries when they needed it, in the name of love. That situation was taken and turned around. And I was like, oh, man, that's like a defensive football player who is there. And all of a sudden, here's a situation coming. They're like, whoop, I'm taking love in here. I'm going to extend it. I'm going to run for that touchdown. I'm going to change the situation because I hear from God. I took that from God, and now, boom, I'm going to bless this person. Those people had to have heard from God. Divine influence upon the heart. And so I'm like, ooh, I like that. They changed the situation. They intercepted and ran with it and scored a touchdown because it was the best for someone else. And God believes the best in us. They took that situation of need. Sometimes those situations are hard. I remember when I was probably about 10 years old, my dad's back was hurt, and he couldn't work, and my mom didn't work. She had all of us kids. There were eight of us, but I think there was probably five at that time And uh, in the house. And um, we were playing or something in the, in the living room, because I don't even think, I think our TV was out. But um, there was a ring. The doorbell rang. And I was like, it was like 8.30 at night. At that time, way back then, you didn't, I mean, you didn't go visit people when it was nighttime. Not like we do now. <laughs> but, but the doorbell rang. And <laughs> my mom was notorious for this little, we called her Mrs. Kravitz, if you don't know what that is. But she would look out the window, and she would look, you know, always peeking on the neighborhood. And, um, and so we look. And I saw, I was the first one to the window. I looked and I saw someone in black running across our yard into a car and took off. And so I'm thinking, it's a bomb. <laughs> my, dad, my dad opens the door and, um, and we picked up this envelope and we put it on the table. We're like, oh, 
what it, you know, like, you don't know what's in there. <laughs> so <laughs> they opened it up, and it was filled with money. The envelope was filled with money so we could get groceries. And I was like, wow. I, I still don't know. We didn't know who, who had done it. God bless them. <laughs> because over 40 years later, I'm remembering that that, was, that happened when I was a little kid. Because a situation can be changed. A situation can be changed. God uses someone for that interception of his love on his behalf, and he turns it around to give, give it hope, give it some hope. And you know why? Because God is love, and that's his love in action. That's what he does. Does not matter. I think someone needs to hear this. Does not matter what position or situation you are in. Don't ever give up hope. Because God is for you. He's not against you. Speak those words that he gives you. Declare those promises. Because it will be changed. I've seen it. It will be changed. It, he's amazing. That's why he's first. He's amazing. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. All his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And I want to sing the rest of the song. Hallelujah, hallelujah. <laughs> David and Mephibosheth. If you look in 2 Samuel 9. I have my large print Bible, so I don't need my glasses. <laughs> so, I love the story of David and Jonathan. It's like one of my favorite stories because they're good friends. And um, because of their friendship, because of how much they loved each other. And so David and Jonathan are these amazing friends. And, and uh, in this situation, Saul and David... We're in uh, Saul and David. Saul and jo Jonathan. Saul was Jonathan's dad, the king. They were in the battlefield and they end up dying. So news comes to the palace, and when they hear that that uh, Saul and Jonathan are gone, this nurse picks up Jonathan's son and starts taking off because they know you know things happen then they come and overrun the palace and that kind of stuff. So she starts taking off running with him, and she falls and he's crippled. Um. <coughs> So, Jonathan has a son. I'm just going to call him Fib because I know I'll mess up, keep messing up his name. So, later on, David's in his palace, and he's thinking, and he, he says in verse 1 of chapter uh, of 2 Samuel 9, he asks, is there anyone still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Because he loved Jonathan. So there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? He says, Your servant. He replied. The king asked, Is there no one still left of the house of the Saul to whom I show, can show God's kindness? And Ziba answered the king, Well, there is still a son of Jonathan, but he's crippled in both feet. Well, where is he? The king asked, and Ziba answered, Well, he's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel, in Lod Lodabar. 
So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Maker, the son of Amiel. And when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to him in honor. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he said, your servant, he replied. He says, don't be afraid, David said to him. For I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. And I will restore you to all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul. And you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? I love this because David didn't even respond to his. (laughs) Didn't even respond to what he felt of what he was. Because that's not how he saw him. Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him. Bring in those crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Ooh, that's a lot. Then Ziba said to the king, Your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So then Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. I love that. He ate at the table as one of the king's sons. Why? Because of who he belonged to. He belonged to Jonathan. And David loved Jonathan. He belonged to Jonathan. He was Jonathan's son. And he ate at the king's table. You belong as a child of the king. You belong to the king of kings. You belong to God. Love in action. You saw David's love put into action for one of his friends because of who he belonged to. Love. God will put love into action because you belong to him. (laughs) Grace and love is extended to us so we can extend it to others. My third point is grace and justice equals freedom. So 2 Peter 1.1 says, the faith that was given to you because of the justice and fairness of Jesus Christ. It was given to us because Jesus is fair. He's just. Justice is, well, fairness, it's righteousness, impartiality. You have grace, you have fairness, you have what's right. Grace is not being a pushover. Just because I have grace doesn't mean you're going to keep pushing me and pushing me. No, there comes a time when it's like, um, I'm going to choose the best to believe in someone. Unless you prove me wrong. I keep believing, keep believing in you. I will still pursue to love you. I'll love you to no end. But that doesn't mean that I have to keep being pushed over. Remember, grace is a divine influence upon the heart. We have a just God. That keeps grace and balance, grace and that justice in balance. So if God does that, then we do the same thing. 
We don't keep getting stepped on over and over. Because I believe because of that divine influence that's pressed upon our heart, when we have that, that line to God and we're continuing to keep it open and we hear, oh, we know when it's like, oh, you crossed the line. It's like I believe God kind of just puts that like, oh, this is no longer right. This is no longer fair. Okay, we, no more. You understand what I'm saying? It's not like we just cut people off, but it's the fact of, hey, there's, there's a balance here. We're going to be grace extenders. We're going to believe the best in others. But when God says, hey, you've done all I've asked you to do, Tom calls it this, it's time to sink or swim. <laughs> but we, and we've done, and that's the key, all that God has asked us to do, not before, but all that God has asked us to do. And you know what? There's a freedom in that. I'm not going to keep getting stepped on or pushed over. I've had people come to me, and there's been times when, you know, I've met with them and prayed with them and, you know, gone through uh, life with them and, and given them those biblical principles of, okay, have you done this? This is, this is, we prayed, this is what God says, this is what you need to do. And they come back. Have you done this yet? Well, no, da 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 whatever excuse. All right, well, this needs to be done. And they come back. Have you done this yet? Well, you know, it's like, all right, you know what? <laughs> I actually had to tell someone, until you do this, then come back, and then we'll, we'll talk some more. No, the sad part is I didn't see them. They may have gone to somebody else. <laughs> That's their prerogative, that's fine. But it saddens my heart because you gotta take the steps of what God says. It's obedience. Obedience is in that. But there's a freedom in that. There's a freedom in that, that justice and that grace put together. But the result of grace extended when we extend that grace to others because we received it from the Lord there's going to be unity. God's going to be glorified. And you know, the other thing is others see. Others see, and they come to him. Your life is being looked at as a believer. If you've professed it, you proclaimed it, and now you're walking, your life, someone used to say it this way, is the Bible that other people read. But they do. Your kids are watching you. I remember walking when I woke up in the morning. I'd walk down the hallway to the restroom when I woke up, and I'd pass by the kitchen. And there sitting at the kitchen table was my mom every morning through my high school years reading the Word of God. And if her head was in her hands like this, I knew she was praying for her family. That was her position of prayer. <laughs> Every morning. It took a while, but I saw that. We had people living in our house. And uh, every morning, it would call her our daughter. She would walk from the hallway into the bathroom. And I'd be in the living room 
on my chair, reading the word of God. Not even realizing until she said to me, you know, every morning I lived in your house, I would see you reading God's word. And it made me flash back to my mom. Your kids watch what you do. They watch what you do. That's what speaks volumes, is your life. People are watching you. I don't know why I said that, but people are watching you. <laughs> but other, they will come. They will come to him. Because you're going to extend that because God has done it to you. We're carriers of his grace. I tell the kids this, you're like a carrier. You carry God all over wherever you go. You're a carrier of his grace. You are a carrier of his grace. You're a carrier of his glory. And it's like you carry water, and you can just go over to someone and go, <gasps> splash. You can carry grace, and you can go, splash, and extend it. You can carry his glory, and someone needs prayer. Boom, you pray. Don't be afraid. You got the confidence of Jesus within you. We either pass it on to others, extend it to others, or not. But in John 1, 16, it says, for from his fullness, everything that he is, all his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. And I want to keep going, upon grace, upon grace, because of his fullness. Remember John 10, 10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus comes to do what? Give life to the fullest in abundance. That's how we thrive. That's how we move. Because of him within us. I want the worship team to come on up. As a believer at Thrive Church, one of our core values is to be his grace extended from what he's given us from what he's done to us and then from us to others amen lord i thank you for your goodness and for your love for who all that you've done all that you are <laughs> cuz you are awesome Lord, we receive that as we sing, as we worship you. Hmm. Lord, continue to fill us more and more so we can walk out of these doors different than the way we came in. Almost like that energized bunny, re-energized for you. Because, Lord, you are for us. You are not against us. You are with us. You are the same yesterday, today, and forever. <laughs> Lord, we don't need to fear. Because we trust in you. Thank you, Lord. Help us to remember. 
We ask for your influence upon our heart, that grace to pass and extend to others. In Jesus' name, amen. Stand together. Well, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender whisper of love in the dead of night and you tell.